Time to read the Bible. Uh, and Nancy is going to come up and read for us. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Jonah. Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatening, threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do and where do you come from? What is your country and from what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, but what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. <clears throat> the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, O Lord, have done, O Lord, as you have done. O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Thank you, Nancy, and good morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> big welcome to you today. Uh, uh, welcome to you if you're watching us online. It's uh, great to have you with us, joining us as well. Uh, if you're new, uh, my name's Scott. I'm one of the ministers, and uh, I'll be uh, speaking to you from that passage from uh, Jonah chapter 1 uh, this morning, if you'd like to have that open in front of you. And uh, there is an outline of the talk uh, inside your bulletins. And if you've uh, been watching online, uh, through, you may have received one of those uh, bulletins uh, through the Facebook page. Let's pray before we uh, come to consider God's word. Our Heavenly Father... Uh, we do want to thank you for uh, this uh, amazing word from uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, 
And uh, we pray, Father God, that your word is powerful and effective because it is the sword of your spirit. We pray for ourselves now as we pray for the children in Kids Church that uh, we would be growing in our knowledge of you and uh, growing in our love and our obedience towards you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A man I once knew was a soldier who fought in the Second World War. Uh, he uh, fought against Japan. Now, these days, of course, Japan is a, is a friendly nation. It's uh, one of our allies, it's, and it's a really terrific place to visit, by the way. Uh, Japan uh, is... Uh, we're on very t good terms with Japan. However, terrible things are done during times of war, uh, creating, causing scars which are not just physical scars. Uh, my friend, um, having fought during the war, was also then stationed in Japan uh, for a little while after the war, and he said to me that uh, once his time in Japan was over and he got back to Australia, uh, he decided that he never wanted to return to that country. Never, ever. Never again. And it was uh, partly because Japan had been the enemy, uh, but also as a young Christian, he found the idolatry that he was surrounded by whilst he was stationed in Japan was somewhat overwhelming and it was uh, difficult for him to deal with. He never wanted to go back, not even to share the gospel. Now, I think it's hard for us to uh, place ourselves in his situation, to, uh, uh, to understand and to appreciate uh, what he had gone through and uh, what his uh, feelings were. But he does raise an issue for us, which I think is uh, uh, important, and that is uh, under what circumstances or in, in what situation would we uh, feel that it would be difficult to want to actually share the gospel with someone? And I'm not just talking about uh, difficult because we you know, feel shy. Uh, you know, that's often the case for us, or difficult because uh, we... Uh, feel that um, uh, we're afraid to do so, but uh, difficult because we really just don't want that person or those people to hear God's word. We don't want them to hear the gospel because we're actually uncomfortable about the idea that they might be forgiven, or at best, uh, we may have some mixed feelings about that. If that resonates with us um, in any way, then we need to hear the message of Jonah. Now, Jonah is a very interesting book, isn't it? It's a fascinating book, one that uh, you probably learnt when you were in Sunday school, if you were going to church in those days. Um, but it's interesting, not just because Jonah survived for three days and three nights inside the belly of a fish, which we're going to touch on next week, but because it challenges us uh, to share the gospel even to those whom we find it difficult to love. Because that's what Jonah was called to do. And it's exactly how the book begins. Will you uh, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1 and have a look at verse 1, where we're told, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. 
because its wickedness has come up before me. So, who is Jonah? Uh, what, what do we know about him? Well, uh, there in that verse we're told a little bit of information about Jonah. We know that his father's name was Amittai, but we're not told much more about him than that, are we? That's about it in terms of the biographical uh, that, that um, background history of him in the book of Jonah. Uh, we do glean a little bit more about Jonah from the book of 2 Kings, uh, where in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, we're told about this prophet uh, whose name was Jonah. He was the son of Amittai. And we're told there that he came from the city of Gath-Hepha. Now, Gath-Hepha uh, was a city which was in the northern uh, kingdom at that stage of history Israel would divide up into the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah and Gath-Hetha was in the northern kingdom uh, just west of the Sea of Galilee and we also learn from uh, 2 Kings chapter 14 that uh, Jonah prophesied during the reign of King Jeroboam the second of the northern kingdom now bottom line uh, what that means is that Jonah was around uh, we, we reckon, uh, in the first half of the 8th century BC. Now, why, was that in, why is that important? Well, it's important for a number of reasons, not the least being that Jonah is actually a real historical figure. This is not just a mythical story about someone. But it's important because of the question of why did God want Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh? That's the, that's the question. And that's what it says in verse 1, where God says that uh, the reason that he wanted Jonah to go to preach in Nineveh is because of, quote, its wickedness has come up before me. Its wickedness had been known by God. And indeed, Jonah would have certainly known about Nineveh's wickedness because uh, Nineveh was the, uh, was the uh, major city of the uh, the great uh, of the of the empire of Assyria, um, you could theoretically go there today. It may not be the safest thing to do. Uh, Nineveh, or the ruins of Nineveh, are inside Iraq, uh, not too far, just across the river from a city by the name of Mosul, which you may have heard about. Now, the ancient Assyrians were driven by an, an ideology. <laughs> of conquering the whole world. I dare say they're not the only people that have been driven by that kind of ideology over the ages, but they had an ideology whereby they would conquer the entire world, and to do so, they uh, committed atrocities, uh, what we would call war crimes, against those whom they attacked. They did terrible things. And around the time of Jonah, uh, Assyria had been growing in, in, uh, in, its, in its size for about 200 years, but by the time of Jonah, Assyria had reached the borders of Israel. And nations uh, which they had not conquered, they controlled by the threat of conquering. And they, uh, uh, they took, um, uh, they had control over the, the puppet kings in these nations that they hadn't controlled. Uh, they hadn't conquered. Uh, in fact, in the British Museum in London, there is, a, there is a stone carving of one of Israel's kings 
paying tribute, that is paying, paying protection money to the Assyrian king. And so to Israel, Assyria was a serious threat and an evil bully. That's who they were. And so what does God want from Jonah? He wants Jonah to go to the evil empire and preach. Preach against them. Now, um, you know, how it's a tough job being a, being a prophet. <laughs> um, how would you feel if you were Jonah and that was what God was commissioning you to do? Um, would you be afraid? Well, you might be afraid. You might be afraid that um, they might kill you. And that would be fair enough. But in actual fact, what concerned Jonah was something a little bit different to that. And we're not given the details of that in, in chapter 4. We have to wait till chap in, in chapter 1. We have to wait till chapter 4. But what we see in, uh, as we go get, when we get to chapter 4 was that what concerned Jonah was that if he went there and he preached to the Ninevites, that they might actually listen. And they might actually be afraid of the Lord. And they might actually repent. And they might even be forgiven by God. And that was something which Jonah just, well, he just couldn't stomach. He couldn't bear that idea. And so in verse 2, instead of trekking northeast to Nineveh, he heads southwest to a city called Joppa on the coast, and he catches a boat to sail west across the Mediterranean to a place called Tarshish. Uh, which we think is, pro is probably in modern-day Spain. Now, that's not exactly what we'd expect a prophet to do, is it? It's like God is saying to him, oh, look, I want you to go and preach in Iraq, and he says, well, in that case, I'm heading to Spain. <laughs> I'm heading to Spain. As if he can flee from God, if that was possible. In Psalm 139, the psalmist asks that same question. Where can I flee from your presence, O Lord? And in Psalm 139, he says, well, if I go up to the highest of heavens, I find that you're there. If I go down to the deepest of the deep, I find that you're there. And he even says, if, if I sail and I go and settle on the far side of the sea, guess what? You're there as well. I wonder if you've ever wanted to flee from a responsibility. Do you know what it's like? Um, you, you know, someone has given you a particular job to do and you really, really just don't want to do that job and you don't do it. And then you do your very best to avoid that person <laughs> so you don't have to explain to them why you haven't done the job. Well, we can't hide from the Lord. Sometimes we think we can hide from the Lord, don't we? Sometimes we think that he won't know about how we're living our lives. God knows everything. There's nowhere we, where we can go where God is not. Even Jonah believes that. He believes that in his head, but in his heart, well, he just wants to get away from Israel, as if by getting out of God's promised land he can escape from God but it's a futile attempt. It is futile. And in his heart he knows that. Now, the standout feature of uh, the book of Jonah is, of course, his three days and three nights inside the belly, belly of a fish, uh, which even Jesus speaks about. 
But in chapter 1, it's about contrast. Contrast between Jonah's heart of disobedience to God and God's heart of compassion for the world. Which we see so clearly as Jonah buys his ticket and hops on a boat heading for Spain. Because in verse 4, God's response is that as they are in open sea, that God, and literally it says, he hurled a great wind upon the sea, which created a storm that was so intense that the ship was in serious trouble of actually breaking apart. Imagine that. That would be terrifying. As if Jonah could actually flee from the hand of God. And in that situation, uh, what did the sailors on board, what did the crew do? Well, um, their first response was actually to pray. Uh, Often for us, prayer is kind of like the last resort, isn't it? (laughs) When we're in a difficult situation. Uh, But they, um, they prayed. And then they threw cargo off the ship uh, in order to lighten the load. But it tells us that they prayed, quote, each to his own God. So what does that mean? Well, uh, this ship's crew, they were not Israelites. Um, They were Gentiles. They were Gentiles who worshipped other gods, uh, which would have included Baal. Um, In fact, uh, there was a temple to Baal, which was uh, built about 400 kilometres up the coast from uh, Joppa, from where they sailed. But there was this temple to Baal, which inside it contained 17 stone ship anchors, which were part of their worship of Baal, because they believed that it was Baal who actually was in charge, who was in control of the sea. And so they prayed to their gods. But what about the prophet of the true God? Did he pray? No. He slept. Even through the storm. Um, Check it out in verse 6. I'll read for you a couple of verses there. Verse 6. Jonah is below deck. He's sound asleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. See, um, even though these sailors were Gentiles, they, um, who didn't know the Lord, Uh, They suspect that there's someone who's on board the ship who has sinned and is being punished by his God. And so they cast lots. Um, They took a lottery, if you like, uh, in the hope that their gods would give them guidance, that their gods would identify for them who that person is. But which God answers? The true God. Uh, who even though, even through this pagan lottery, he gives his guidance and he casts the spotlight on Jonah because it was God's plan to bring uh, this journey of Jonah's to an abrupt end. 
And friends, I doubt that it gets too much more abrupt than being thrown overboard. (laughs) Thrown overboard. Which in verse 12 is exactly how Jonah wanted the sailors to deal with the problem of the storm. It is Jonah who says that the best way to calm down this storm is to throw me overboard. Now, is that Jonah's only option? Well, how about if Jonah prayed? And how about if Jonah confessed his sin to God? How about if Jonah committed himself to actually obeying God's will and going to Nineveh to preach? He he could have done that, couldn't he? It sounds though that he'd rather drown than to do that. That's what it seems. But notice that the Gentile sailors, they didn't want Jonah to die. In fact, they did their very best to to fight against that option. See, back in verse 9, when they uh, are trying to learn a bit more about Jonah, find out a bit about his background, who he is and why he's there and so on, Uh, What did he tell them? Well, have a look at verse 9. He says, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, which means I worship Yahweh, which is the personal name of the God who revealed himself to Abraham and to Moses. He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And that terrified the sailors. That terrified them because they would have heard things about Yahweh. They may have heard of how he, through his mighty hand, had brought Israel out of their captivity into Egypt. They might have heard how he led them miraculously to cross over the Jordan River and how they attacked and they defeated and they occupied and they controlled the land. They may have heard of how powerful the Lord is. And so rather than throw Jonah overboard, in verse 13, they tried in vain instead to row their way back to land. In vain, I say, because the Lord only intensified the storm. It's as if God wanted Jonah to be thrown overboard. And so in verse 14, as they saw no option other than to throw Jonah overboard, they begged the Lord, they begged Yahweh not to hold it against them. They're saying, look, we don't see any other option here. We need to protect our own lives. And they cried out to the Lord and said, we know what we're about to do. We know that what we're about to do is wrong to kill kill this man. And so please forgive us for what we're about to do. Don't hold it against us. They cried out to the Lord. And when they throw, throw Jonah overboard, what happened? The storm just suddenly stopped. It, it died down. Now, how do you think that they would feel about that? Well, they they might feel relieved because their lives were now safe. But in verse 16, they were also in fear. Not just ordinary fear, they were in great fear. 
Now, we've just done a series on uh, Mark's Gospel, 1 to 10. And uh, you may recall, if you've been with us, in Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus and his disciples were uh, out on a boat one, one time, uh, one evening, and uh, uh, Jesus, uh, interestingly, like Jonah, was sound asleep when a great storm uh, arose. And uh, the disciples were, were very fearful. They had to go and wake up Jesus. And uh, when Jesus awoke, what did he do? He spoke to the storm... He rebuked the storm and the storm stopped. The disciples were terrified, not just by the storm, but by Jesus. Who is this man, they said, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Well, who is this Lord, this Yahweh? These experienced sailors, they would, have, they would have been in storms before they know how the storms function. They know that, uh, how, how they grew up and how they died down. But this time, they were convinced that this Lord, this Yahweh, could only be exactly who Jonah said he is. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry ground. And so in verse 16, they came to know the Lord. They greatly feared him. Or as I understand it uh, can be translated, they revered Yahweh with a great reverence. With a great reverence. This is not just some fickle response. This is something which is quite significant. And they expressed that because when presumably they got back to land, they um, offered up a sacrifice. Not a sacrifice to Baal, but a sacrifice to Yahweh. And they made vows to him. And I think that this is not unlike when when a non-Christian hears the gospel and particularly here's the power of God in the resurrection of Jesus and his power to forgive sins, and they trust in the sacrifice of Jesus and they commit themselves to God. Now, this is ironic, isn't it, when you think about it? Because what was Jonah running away from? He was running away from this kind of very thing. He was running away from this... This very thought that uh, that Gentiles uh, would actually come to understand the power of the Lord and would turn to him. And now this, this is actually happening. Not because he went to Nineveh, but because he turned and went elsewhere. Because he fled. And you know what? He doesn't even get to see that happening. Because as we'll see next week... Jonah had a new life situation that he had to deal with. Now, what about you? Jonah did not want to preach to the enemies of God's people. He didn't want to preach to the Ninevites. Are there some people or types of people who, although you might say 
that it would be good if they became Christians, um, in your heart, uh, you've actually got mixed feelings about that. Perhaps because of prejudice, um, racial prejudice, perhaps, or even our middle-class prejudice. Or maybe it's personal. Um, someone who's, has made life difficult for you. What if God opened up an opportunity for you to help that person to hear the gospel? Would you take up that opportunity? Perhaps personally or perhaps through some other means, but would you take up that opportunity so that they might have the opportunity to trust in Jesus, to be forgiven and to be saved? I don't know the um, difficulties that my ex friend experienced during the war, suffice to say that he never wanted to go back to Japan, never, ever, until God softened his heart and several years after returning back to Australia, he felt compelled, absolutely compelled by the love of Christ to return. Uh, where he spent uh, the rest of his working life sharing the good news about Jesus uh, in the country he had fought against. And through him and others who he worked with, Japanese people came to know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and a church was developed. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. But the lesson he had to learn was that God's grace is not just for Israel. And God's grace in Jesus, friends, is not just for us. It's on offer to all people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, even to us. And sharing that good news... It's not something to flee from. It's an opportunity to pray for. Next week, uh, we'll learn about Jonah's new situation of dealing with life inside the belly of a whale. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we want to thank you for your grace and for your compassion and your sovereignty. Uh, that even uh, when Jonah in his rebellion uh, didn't want to take your good news uh, to the nations, that you use that rebellion to bring these Ninevites into a relationship with yourself, these um, sailors, rather, into a relationship with yourself. Father, we pray for ourselves that we would have a heart where we understand the grace that you've shown to us, and the forgiveness that we've received, it would be our desire that others should know that forgiveness in Jesus as well. Help us to overcome um, the sinfulness of our heart. Rather, have, help us to have the compassion of your heart uh, for those who perhaps we find it difficult to love, knowing that we ourselves have been difficult to love, but that you have loved us incredibly in the sacrifice of your own son. May we share that grace with others. 
In Jesus' name.